As I said earlier, it's our gift day. Hooray! Should we try that again? It's our gift day. Hooray! Still a little bit muted, but there you go. Um, and uh, normally in our gift day, we, we have a time where we just review kind of uh, the things that God has placed on our hearts. We look back and remember the goodness of God. Because what we're giving is a thank you to God. We're giving a thank you to God for all his blessings uh, towards us. And the cry of my heart, uh, and I guess our hearts, is do it here, Lord. This is uh, a prayer from an Old Testament prophet. I've been carrying it around for years and years and years. I'm, going, I'm being invited to speak in lots of amazing places. And somebody said to me the other week, you're not going to come and speak about revival, are you? <laughs> to which I said, if you come and say to me, will you come and speak about what's on your heart? I am going to come and speak about revival because we have not seen it yet. And the cry of our heart is do it here. I can speak on other things. It is being known. But it just inspires me so much when I read of the stories of what God has done in the past. For example, the Welsh revival just over a hundred years ago. Incredible things when God's manifest presence descended upon a nation. But it began with just a few people praying and crying out to God because they just saw such incredible need all around them. Evan Roberts and others like that who are just crying out to God. And there's a little, I can't, the picture's a bit blurry, but there's a little lady here, a 15-year-old, called Florrie Shaw. And she got converted. And she said to her pastor, I want to share my testimony And he said, okay, you can share your testimony. She got up on the Sunday morning and she said this. This was her testimony. I love Jesus with all my heart. And the Holy Spirit fell on the whole congregation. And people who were there who were not saved got saved. And Evan Roberts was there and he said to Flory, I'd like to take you with me wherever I go preaching. (laughs) Because whenever she gave her testimony, that simple testimony, the Holy Spirit fell. Isn't that amazing? I just love those kind of stories. And there's some crowd scenes. These, These are the blokes. They're queuing up to go to a meeting in the revival. Men! Know that impresses you? And these are some of the crowds that would gather just to hear. Holy Spirit would be poured out. Amazing. God chooses the most extraordinary places as well. The Hebrides. Now, you know I love the stories. These were the two ladies who prayed and prayed and prayed, crying out to God. They believed God was going to do something, and they knew that they had to get this man, Duncan Campbell, over. I think I've mentioned him before. 17 years he had ministered in a parish church and seen nothing. And he just wept over his fruitlessness and his barrenness and confessed in a morning meeting that he was just so useless and that he'd hoped for so much more but he hadn't seen anything. And that day when he confessed it, five of his leadership resigned because they were so embarrassed about the leader standing up and saying this. But many of his family were converted and they saw a move of God. And these ladies knew that they had to get this man up to the Hebrides. And when he went, revival broke out. Thousands got saved. 
amazing. Do it here, Lord. And maybe you're, you're like me and say, well, it's okay, Wales, the Welsh revival, the Hebrides, it wouldn't happen in, in a Baptist church. Well, let me tell you a little story about Lowestoft Baptist Church. 1921. There'd been for two years a weekly prayer meeting for revival. Now, we've been, I've been crying out for revival here for 15 years, and I know there's lots of you who've been praying, and there's a plethora of prayer meetings, so we have to keep on. But for two years, they had a weekly prayer meeting for revival. Many of the young people of the church came. They were, they were sort of galvanized by this prayer. And they invited a guy called Douglas Brown uh, to preach, come and preach. And he preached a normal sort of evangelistic message. And at the end of the service, he said, if anyone wants to respond, you can come and see me in the minister's vestry. And I'd like to meet with you and chat with you. That day, cues began to form outside the minister's vestry. And only three weeks, over three weeks, over a thousand people came to know Jesus in Lowestoft. There are people who still alive remember it and say, God came to town. The manifest presence of God. It's amazing. So our desire, our commitment is to keep on, keep on. Just a short video clip, if it works, of just an encouragement to pray. This is a lady from the Hebridean Revival. was converted in a revival in 1926. Mm-hmm. Now that was in the north of Harris. And days were very dark then. And people had no concern for their souls. And, uh-huh. But then there was this revival came. Mm-hmm. There was a, a, a little prayer meeting in one little village. And um, people were so busy with harvest work and things like that. Christian people. And... Um, there was very few attending the prayer meeting and it went right down. And this, it was, the prayer meeting was taken by one of the elders. And he said, well, he said, next week I'm going to say there'll be no more prayer meetings until all the harvest work is over. But um, he couldn't say it that night. He just could not. He kept back from saying it. He said, well... He said, next week, I'll definitely have to say it next week because there was just two or three people in the prayer meeting. So the next week, when he went back to the prayer meeting, there was five or six people. So, whoa, he said, I'm not going to say anything now. There's more people come in. And the following week, revival broke out. See, it's easy to give up. It's easy to give up. I, I just love that video. It goes on and there's other testimonies from the Hebridean revival. But what strikes me is that call to prayer and not give up. Even when there's just two or three praying, God can do amazing things. And he has done, as we reflect and uh, tell the story of what God has done here in Chipping Camden. You know, the, the sort of longer history is this, that in 1962 there were a group of nonconformists that began to meet in the town. In 1724, the Baptist church was formed. In 1867, the Baptist church closed. 
1870, it was reopened under the ministry of Richie Irvin, who is a great man of God and a hero of faith. Modern history, Blockley Chapel closed, Paxford Baptist Chapel closed, Shipston Baptist Church closed, and Chipping Camden reached six members. Not so long ago. But God. That's the great bit. But God. And this is a picture you know uh, if you've been here any length of time. I love to show this picture. Because it's not so long ago. 1984 isn't so long ago. This was the morning congregation. And uh, wonderful heroes of faith. Jenny and David. But Alice Benfield and, and Wynne Judd and the likes who just, I remember when I first came here and met Alice. Alice was an extraordinary woman. She would tell me stories of how one evening service, there were just three of them around a gas fire in the back hall, just praying, God, would you bring revival? To Chipping Camden Baptist Church. That was the, the wideness of the vision. And uh, I remember her telling me she had prayed and prayed for revival, but could never expect it to come with drums. Her vision was it would come with Sankey and Moody. I don't know what that means, but I'm sure one or two of you might know what that means. Because you have in your mind, you know, revival will come as you would like to see it. And I have it in my mind. But God can do whatever he likes as long as he comes. And God just began to build his church. Again, on prayer. And David and Jenny, who just stuck it out. And would say that they prayed. They prayed for young people to come in. And then they had to pray for more mature people to come in. Because God started bringing people. And ten years later, that was the morning congregation. And uh, some of you will be in that picture. And some have moved away. You know, churches are like that. There are some people who come and come for a season. And then they move on. And they go to other places to be a blessing. But Lord, we just thank the Lord for all that he's done. Sorry, Jenny. I wanted to show this picture. Wanted once again just to pay tribute to Jenny and David and for the, for the manner and the tenacity of their faith. Because many would have said, let's go to a thriving church elsewhere. But they didn't, they stuck it out. And one of the last words David spoke to me as he was dying and getting, just getting ready to go and see Jesus. He said, save more. Save more. Build the church. And I kind of went, all right. Because <laughs> that's why we're here. To see more saved. See the kingdom come. And the Lord's given us a vision to be about these things, proclaiming Jesus Christ to people today, making disciples, building God's kingdom, praying for revival, planting new churches. And reaching the nations. Does anyone here remember this building? Yes. And we thank God that he worked in that place. And that place has been prayed in and worshipped in over many, many years. And we're really grateful. But I remember going to see Alice. It was one of the first things I did. I went to see her because uh, very early on we knew we had to change the building. Um, I remember going over the threshold of her door. The door was always open. She would always sit in a chair facing the window so she would see who was coming in. I just stepped over the door and she said, I know why you've come, Philip. And I said, yes, Alice. You're going to take out the organ and the pews, aren't you? 
said, yes, Alice, we've got to do that. And she, she said, do you know what? It's our fault. And she said, we prayed for revival. And then she promised me, no one will vote against it. Isn't that amazing? An attitude like that of heart. That's a heart speak. That's not what I want speak. That's a heart speak. I remember walking out. I do remember this vividly. Walking out of that front door as if I was 10 feet tall. Thinking, God can do anything in this church with people like that. And we did. And it's a beautiful building. And we love to use it. And it was great last night. It looked like the poshest restaurant in town. And it was fantastic. And through the generosity of the church, you know, it just cost us 150 grand on top of the normal budget. And within three years, it was paid off. Now that's one of the miracles. In 1998, Chipping Camden Baptist Church launched Cornerstone Churches, which was quite arrogant, really, to say, right, as a church, we're going to launch a group of churches. But that's what God had laid on our hearts, to be church planting church. I've never led a church plant. It's quite ironic when I'm asked to speak about church planting. First thing I say, I've never led a church plant. Why have you asked me? But we are a church planting church. And the first church plant, 1999, led by Daniel, who's still there. And the congregation has over doubled in those years. And then in 2005, another church planted over in Bidford. You know, we remained a small congregation by planting. We got to about 150, and then we'd give away 50. God would give us another 50, we'd give another 50 away. God would keep growing his church. And under uh, Neil Dunlop, who I'm still in touch with, and he's leading up another church plant in Lighthorn Heath under the Anglican umbrella. And he's doing an amazing work. And there's something about that place. I visited and spoke there the other week. And I think God is going to do something there. Really exciting. And over the years we've seen many, many people come to faith. Mainly through Alpha but through all the other invitational things Uh, This culture of invitation, whether it's an Elvis evening or whether it's a men's breakfast or the ladies' lunch. There are so many things we can invite people to. We want to see people coming to know Jesus. So many doors that people can come through. Our next Alpha course will begin the end of September, beginning of October. Please be in prayer now who you might invite. We've ebbed and flowed in our Alpha courses. The smallest one we've had is seven people. The biggest is 50, but we'd love to see more on those Alpha courses. And we've had the privilege of baptising over 185 people since 1996. And I didn't go further back than that because this is my memory. Which is wonderful. And a real privilege. Karis, that's you actually under the water. And even here in the school, we've seen many baptisms. And over the three churches... We now have 500 people meeting. And uh, I was uh, standing on the platform last Sunday and there were over 400 in here. And I had, just in my mind, a picture of Alice dancing. 
I didn't want to share it because I didn't know if it was a God thing or anything. It was just me remembering Alice saying, we prayed and prayed and prayed. And how those cloud of witnesses must just go, yeah. And what we're experiencing is what they laid down. And what we're laying down now, others will come after us. And there's something about unity with two new churches, Hook Norton and Bloxham, not plants, but people that uh, felt a sort of common heart that we're joined to. It's great to see Jenny with us this morning. Mike's on sabbatical. Um, But it's fantastic to have that unity in the churches because the vision is to see a whole area touched for the kingdom of God. Not just one church, but a whole area. And so we sort of gather together and uh, these are the handsome guys. Well, maybe not. There's something special about meeting together. Ministers meet. This is a real blessing. They meet regularly for prayer, encouragement, and accountability. You may think, oh, that's normal. This is not normal. Ministering, ministers gathering together and holding one another accountable to their lives in Christ. Not just the public life, but the secret life. And it's really a blessing. The churches meet regularly for prayer and praise monthly and celebrations in each church and the annual summer conference as well. We share vision, resources and leadership. Passionate about God, real in relationships, stuck into God's mission. We've also sent uh, folk out to train for ministry. Sorry if I've called it revved up, but that's uh, just the personal term. Daniel, Mike, David Taylor-Black, and Lynn. And Lynn's uh, going to be uh, ordained here uh, in the High Street building on the 9th of July. I would encourage you, if you're part of the church, to come support that on Saturday, the 9th of July. Um, because that's part of our vision to see people called up, raised up from within. And we don't believe that's stopping, we believe that that will continue. And uh, also, Pete Lloyd, who was part of the fellowship, uh, is now trained and he is starting his new ministry at Gretton Baptist Church. And his ordination is on the 16th of July. Really exciting to see what God has done. And the reaching the nations, we're privileged to have these links overseas. And then in September 2009, we felt that God told us to make more room. Remember that? It was a clear word of God. We waited on it. We prayed about it. We prayed about other church plants, but those doors closed. But we moved into this wonderful building. And, um, but we didn't move here because we thought it was a good idea. We didn't move here because we thought that would be wonderful. Wouldn't it be great? Every few weeks we'll get to set chairs out. And uh, every week the band will have to set up their instruments. And the PA people will have to set up there. And the s- children's work will have to be in school rooms. And we, we came here to make more room. And we have made more room and we want to see every chair filled and more than that. We want to see God's kingdom breaking out. There are times when you just have to dig in, when you don't feel the presence of God. It's not about that, is it? I know, you know, when I was uh, in Cairo, so challenged when I went to the garbage city. Because I was a Westerner coming in and it smelt awful. And they lived in abject poverty. And yet, went to their church. They were all got their best clothes on. 
and they were worshipping with smiles on their faces and the presence of God was tangible. Because the presence of God is about heart, God's people responding. You know, and I know at times it's, you know, mm, this grotty building, but we're not here for that. We're here to see the lost saved, to really cry out to God. He can do anything in any place. And so we've made more room and we've made the move, but we haven't seen all that we've moved here for yet. So we need to press on, press on. And uh, over the last few years, we've invested uh, money in ministry. We've uh, called Edward over the years, a number of years now, and Duncan to be part of the the paid staff here. And we're seeking about children's work as well. uh, If you were at the last church meeting, we were talking about internship and maybe having an intern uh, for a couple of years to be involved with children's work. We're not sure how the Lord's going to work that out yet. But we've invested. And uh, which... And... The three of us do different things, and you probably won't see that, but we do different things. And uh, I believe that God is using each of us in different ways. I'm really encouraged about the depth course. You've heard it mentioned already. And we're seeing how to make that more accessible in the second year of depth, because we're committed to disciples growing in faith. But we recognize that there was probably too much material and so we're looking at how we can make that more accessible in the days to come. Also, I would like to mention something called Mainstream, which is a group of Baptist ministers across the country, about 150 in the network. We have an annual conference in Swanwick that gathers about 350 people. And I was asked to go on the leadership team of Mainstream a couple of years ago. And I went on the leadership team because there were some amazing men of God who were on the leadership team. Older guys who, who I could look up to and, and, and I wanted to be like a sponge and, and whatever they had and their experience, I wanted it. Do you know what happened? They said, oh, it's great to have some younger guys around. See you later. Now, it's not quite as blunt as that, but there's a new group and I'm one of those who are leading up this network now and you graciously as a church have allowed me to spend time on this and uh, our first thing is we've changed the name <laughs> that's what happens when you hand it over isn't it um, because we believe mainstream and what it stood for has passed but now we're called Fresh Streams and uh, we believe it, it was given to us from a, a picture from Ezekiel 47 about streams of living water and uh, we're making connections with many, many church leaders across the country. And we believe that the word to us as leaders have been to pray and fast for the nation. Pray and fast for the nation. So on three separate uh, occasions, we're gathering folk to pray and fast across um, the network. This is our leadership team. And uh, David was promoted to glory. And so I'd ask you to be in prayer. Uh, for who God might be raising up to be part of the leadership team. And uh, we'll probably be coming to the church meeting in September to to outline how we're going to do that. Because as the church gets bigger, we realise that in the system that we work, we might have five people nominated, which is useless. 
because we'll never get anybody onto the leadership team in that way. So we need to, to have a process, but we're just asking you to pray about this. Just be seeking God about who might God be raising up. Just a few more details that I want to talk about in, is the pastoral side of the church. As we grow, the pastoral needs obviously increase. And if you need prayer, we'd encourage you to make that known. The prayer uh, team meets once a month, and uh, we have uh, hours where we just pray through, uh, for anyone who has need in the life of the church. And then also the pastoral couples, um, that if you don't feel that you can talk to me or if you don't feel you, it's important enough to mention it to one of the ministers, please approach one of these couples and, uh, to explain or perhaps ask for prayer. We want to make that as accessible as we can. This diagram is just to say that pastoral care involves everybody. You, you won't understand it. It's like you know, lots of words written on there. But it's basically everyone's looking in on everyone else. Everyone's looking out for everyone else. And there's different tiers of pastoral care within the life of the church, but everyone is involved. You know, one of the things that really hurts me is if I don't know anything, I can't respond to it. If someone doesn't tell me what's going on, I can't respond. Uh, But we want to be. But it includes everybody. Everyone is involved. The other thing I want to emphasise is small groups. And whether they're, they're home groups, and we've got a variety of home groups, or whether they're just small uh, groups meeting for prayer, groups, triplets, or even uh, prayer partners, or it's the refresh group or other things like that, we encourage everyone to be part of a small group. At some point or other, even if it's two of you, even if it's a prayer triplet, or if it's a small group, be part of a small group within the life of the church. It is so important. That's where we find that intimate fellowship that we need and be accountable to one another. We want to be a people that are biblical, fashioned by word and by spirit, and to take seriously our own responsibility for growing in faith. We can't hand that over to somebody else and say, right, will you grow my faith? It has to be something that we want to do to grow in faith. And we want to say thank you to everybody because we know so many people work so hard within the life of the church and the junior church particularly. But in every aspect of church life, there are people who give up time, give up their gifts and energy to serve and and I'm conscious of that. And we want to say a big thank you to everyone in the life of the church. We're near the end. More, Lord, is our prayer. Why can it not be the case that we see revival in the Cotswolds? There is no reason why we cannot see a move of God here. And this is our prayer. So we're going to pray together. Can I ask you to stand as we pray? Ask the band to come back. Father, thank you. We're here to give you thanks for all that you've done. So great when we look back and we can see your hand upon this fellowship. We thank you for the saints that have gone before us. Within that cloud of witnesses who are looking on and just so excited about what you've done. And we're here at this moment, in this time, to say, Lord, do more. More here, Lord. Will you pour out your spirit more, Lord? 
Will you save more? Will you heal more? Will you set more free? Lord, will you so visit us by your Holy Spirit that we'll see a change not just in the life of the church but within the communities in which you've placed us? That there will be transformation, Lord. Lord, that we're grateful for what we see but we long for more and so we pray, Holy Spirit, will you captivate our hearts? Will you do a work in your church? Will you revive your church again? Do it here, Lord. This is our cry. And we want to respond. We want to respond this day as our gift day, just saying thank you to you in this tangible way. To say thank you, but also to invest in the future and the life of the church and all that you're calling us to be and to do. So hear our hearts cry, Lord, for more. In Jesus' name.